Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Muskoka Drawdown. Welcome to Muskoka Drawdown. I'm your host, Frank Young. I'm here on behalf of SCAM, Climate Action Muskoka. We are in a climate emergency and to to prevent climate chaos, we need to decarbonize the economy. The technology exists to do this now, we just lack the political will. On June 2nd, make sure you vote for the planet. Today, my guest is Dr. Lori Houston. She's a dentist. She practiced 15 years in Bracebridge and now practices in Aurelia and in Georgian Bay area in indigenous communities. Lori leads and participates in volunteer dental projects internationally and locally. Recently, she organized a free dental day for women in shelters in Aurelia. Lori, welcome to our show. Thank you, Frank. You are, have been called a legend in greening healthcare. Now, do you fit, do you like that being called a legend? I think it was uh, a little over exuberant of my fellow healthcare professional, but I, I, I'm very honored that he feels that way about me. I'm, I'm so happy. I'm so glad that the whole entire health, that you and your colleagues are, are marshalling the whole entire medical industry to be greener. I mean, we need that in transportation, electricity, agriculture, education, and you are a part of the people locally doing this. Um, this is the kind of broad coalition that it's going to take to get us to a sustainability. I, I'm very pleased and proud to know you and have you on my show. Well, thank you. Um, I first talked to you, you were speaking very passionately about uh, because of COVID-19, everyone's wearing masks. And now when you walk along the streets, you see them thrown in the bushes and they're lying everywhere. This, of course, is a a, a tragedy, a a travesty. Um, But you have done a lot of thinking yourself about masks. Yes. So um, I've been thinking a lot about sustainability in healthcare for some time now. And as a result of that, I've, I've uh, got a little group of um, environmentally minded dentists and other healthcare professionals together. And we meet fairly regularly and discuss ways that we can approach uh, our regulators and the government to uh, try and create more sustainable protocols in um, the healthcare system. Because if we were a country, globally, healthcare would be the fifth worst polluter. Wow. 50,000 50, of those blue masks are disposed of every second across the world. <laughs> That's shocking. Um, but what are we going to do about those masks? I mean, you know, the mandates are rising, but presumably there'll be a future um, pandemics and we will be much quicker and uh, more, uh, more rigorous with masks from the get-go. So what should we be doing now in anticipation? Well, um, I have been advocating for reusable respirators in healthcare because there are options available where as a healthcare professional, you could be using a reusable respirator that has filters that last up to a year. And 
if you can imagine how many masks that would mitigate disposing of for each individual in healthcare, it's mind boggling. Uh, as well, I have been an advocate for collection of PPE and um, I have personally uh, collected PPE from several of the dental offices in the Muskoka and Aurelia area. Tell, tell people what PPE is. PPE is personal protective equipment. Okay. meaning masks, surgical gowns, isolate, isolation gowns, uh, surgical caps and booties, anything so that, that from, protects from the, you. From the medical world, how much of it goes to landfill and how much gets incinerated? I thought a lot gets incinerated on site. Is that true? No, a lot of it goes to landfill. Landfill, eh? Wow. Yeah. So in other words, uh, if there was, it sort of goes into the recycling, it doesn't go to recycling, it goes right to landfill, you're suggesting, you're saying. PPE is not considered recyclable at this point by municipalities. In fact, our recycling program is broken. Less than 10% of what you put in your blue box actually gets recycled. I know, I hear that all the time. It's just demoralizing totally. Well, what, what, what can, does, do we need better source uh, separation or does it have to be manufactured with the idea of being recycled uh, eventually? Both, both. both. So right now, the plastics industry um, is not really very well regulated at all. And as a result of that, manufacturers are putting different uh, veneered layers of different types of plastic together in their production. And that makes their items not recyclable. So that needs to be addressed so that packaging becomes truly recyclable because it's, it's very, it, it can be done. There just has to be the will to do it, but trying to get big corporations to change their paradigm is, is very difficult. They, you know, they're looking at the bottom line all the time. Um, and we need to get things regulated. We also need to have a recycling system that's more so that that is similar to the European um, uh, type of example, where there are multiple different boxes and we are actually separating yeah. uh, items out ourselves as consumers and then because that that uh, really decreases the amount of labor required to uh, uh, right. you know separate right. all these different items. Well, in Muskoka, we're going the opposite. We're going to one stream instead of even having um, uh, cans and bottles and paper recycled. It's going into one. I guess they're going to, like maybe Electrona, they're going to have this bigger factory for separation or put it into a slurry and and, and do it that way. Um, what or about, they're going to incinerate it, which is very good. What, uh, what is the holdup in plant-based uh, plastics, because I thought that was already, the science was already there for decades already, and it never happens. Well, plant-based plastics is a bit of a red herring. They are still plastics. Yeah. Whether they're actually truly biodegradable is questionable. So for instance, I've been in uh, myself and, and some of the healthcare professionals that uh, advocate for sustainability. We just recently had a, an interview with a company that makes so-called compostable uh, surgical masks. Yeah. But we are asking for third-party proof of their uh, biodegradability. And you have to get really good concrete answers to these questions because uh, there's a lot of greenwashing going on, quite frankly. Doesn't, doesn't it go into these little pellets, that these micro pellets that end up everywhere in the water, in the air, in our bodies? Plastics problem? break down at different rates and plastics eventually become microplastics and nanoplastics. We are at this, at this point right now, all of us breathing in nanoplastics uh, are, and 
We're eating them in our in our food system. We're drinking them in our water. They are ubiquitous across the planet in the most remote parts of the planet. Are they not uh, inert because they're plastic? Do they break down in your body and in, in the water eventually? Or Well, they have been found in uh, bloodstreams of individuals. They've been found in deep in lung tissue. And if you can imagine a plastic particle in our lung tissue, the body is not likely to be too happy about that and to want to insulate it in some way and and create an inflammatory response. So no, they, I, the research is in its infancy with respect to microplastics and how they affect human beings, but the initial research is not promising. It is indicating, first of all, that human cells are damaged by plastic particles and um, more uh, more research is indicating that they're implicated in endocrine disruption, which makes sense, endocrine being hormones, Mm -hmm. um, obesity, infertility, cancers, and uh, bowel diseases. So this is a time bomb that's that's completely being ignored and uh, it's just going to catch up to us sooner or later, is it not? Oh, I think it's already catching up to us. And this, the really egregious part of all this is we're also uh, creating that those sort of harmful effects on all of the rest of uh, the species living on this planet. And as a result, our biodiversity is decreasing significantly. So back to the uh, plant-based plastics, there are there not sort of two types? If you make it completely out of like a corn polymer, the long strand polymers, would that be not completely biodegradable? I know a lot of them incorporates these these the pl- uh, regular plastics and it just breaks down into these little ones. But are there's, there's is there no such thing as a as a true plant based uh, plastic or I mean wrapping material, whatever you want to call it? Well, I'm not the scientific expert on that, and I think that uh, the research is not compelling to say that those materials uh, don't also cause harmful effects and break into nanoparticles that can be. Uh, harmful to, to humans and other species. So, I, so, so what's the solution then? Is this to go back to like the, you know, pedicle junction and, and use glass and, and, um, and, and, and paper? Yes, we need to go back to a reusable paradigm as much as possible. And it sounds like the whole medical profession and dentistry is a, is a huge, what percentage of that kind of landfill comes out of that, did you say? I don't know what the percentage is, but I do know that we would be considered the fifth worst country as polluters as a as a whole, as healthcare workers. That is, that is shocking. So, in other words, we need government involvement and, and industry working together to, to uh, with all our institutions um, to work our way out of this plastic nightmare. And how does this? How does plastic obviously impact climate change? It all comes from oil. Well, it's they're they're all oil-based products. So yeah. we have to wean ourselves off our addiction to fossil fuels and move to a sustainable economy and a circular economy. Yeah. We have to get governments involved to create regulations around these things, and we have to get manufacturers to stop looking at just the bottom line. And both this means we need to have all parties involved come to the table as stakeholders to consider well-being for not only this generation, but future generations. Yeah, I, I suppose also the, perhaps there's a silver lining to COVID that um, we've gone to Zoom meetings and reduced a lot of travel. We're doing a lot more electronic um, document signing because of COVID. So presumably that's one of the silver linings of the whole COVID-19 is that we are being 
greener in, in quite a number of ways. Uh, do you agree with this or you think it's just uh, a desperation to try to come up with something? Oh, positive? no, I think that it's abs- there's no question that uh, mitigating uh, transportation is is definitely uh, a, a positive effect of COVID. No, no doubt. It's also getting us to look at more sustainable models and renewable energy and um yeah, yeah, there's certainly some positive output, but you, the PPE collection is egregious because of COVID. That's yes, worse, worse because of COVID. You also talked about that uh, it's good that we're going to digital and electronic for the medical profession to avoid uh, packaging, sending packages through the mail, and having uh, having paper files. Is that a small thing or is it a significant thing? Well, I think everything adds up. So absolutely, if we're not using paper files, we're, you know, we're using less trees and we need those trees to, uh, to sequester carbon dioxide. So absolutely, that's a positive effect. There's so much more that could be done, though. We, the amount of overpackaging by manufacturers is, is, it makes my head spin quite uh, we have to take a little break now, Laurie, but uh, so hang on and we'll be back. I have a lot more um, complicated questions to ask you after when we get back. Buy Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Muskoka Drawdown. Welcome back to Muskoka Drawdown. I have a guest here who is a legend in greening healthcare, Dr. Laurie Houston. She's in Aurelia now, but she has been in Bracebridge. And she is a, sounds to me like a very comprehensive uh, thinker in all things green, uh, climate change on down to plastics. Um, Laurie, you also talk about green electricity for certainly to power the healthcare world. What's your idea of green electricity? Does it include nuclear? Well, you know, people have different belief systems about nuclear. I'm actually in in favor of small nuclear reactors, such as what's advocated by people such as Bill Gates. I think they have to be part of our problem, our, our solution to uh, moving to uh, sustainable energy and getting off of fossil fuels, because the other types of electricity um, are, are intermittent. Solar and wind power is intermittent. So they're not truly sustainable without some sort of uh, other load. mechanism. They call it, they need base load. And that's the argument. Some people say uh, hydro or water, water power or storage uh, is, will provide the base load. But yes, that is, that is a concern. Um, and certainly it's important that we get off uh, natural gas now as well. We have to go to green power of all sources. Yes. You also talk about um, mitigation of pharmaceutical waste. What are ways you can do in, in, in pharmaceuticals and dentistry and medical to, to just reduce the amount of throughput? Well, quite frankly, uh, prescribing less medication. And that is something that a lot of physicians are, are striving for. I know my fellow professionals in, med- in the medical field who care about the environment are certainly advocating for um, de-prescribing because um, that whole paradigm needs to be looked at and pared down where, where at all possible. Also within the medical field, inhalers are, are a really bad source of 
of uh, greenhouse gases. And so a lot of uh, my colleagues in the medical profession, again, are advocating to get off of the inhalers that uh, create greenhouse gases so whenever the, possible. What, what kind of alternatives do you have to inhalers? I thought these people were reduced lung capacity and they need something to... Well, the ones with really reduced lung capacity still need those inhalers. However, there is there are alternatives for people who are not as... Uh, compromised uh, with their with respect to their respiratory systems are there are there lifestyle changes that can get you off uh, inhalers well I don't think there's any question about that right I mean I think we know that obesity and smoking and uh, being uh, sedentary are all you know lifestyle choices that contribute to poor health uh, impact yeah. Also, another if you're, if I if I get your opinion on this is another benefit benefit or silver lining of uh, of COVID was the uh, the introduction of uh, e health that now in Ontario anyway anyone can go online and and talk to a doctor in a, in a few minutes sometimes you have to wait half an hour or so but it's a lot easier to get basic advice and basic uh, prescriptions from a doctor now because of COVID is that true. Well, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm a dentist. So that is not <laughs> my field. You can't uh, do dentistry online. Is that what you're yes, saying? actually, during COVID, we did have some uh, virtual dentistry. But again, it's impractical for the most part for dentists to be able to treat people. We can diagnose and prescribe, uh, you know, medications to um yeah. circumvent their situation in the short term. But certainly yeah. not. It's not a long term solution. Um, Diagnosis in the medical field is a very different thing, but again, that's not my specialty, and I don't <laughs> really feel comfortable speaking. Okay, well, I have one that I personal curiosity for years already is amalgam versus uh, gold, or or uh, what do they use? Composite. Yeah, what's the story on that? Finally, uh, so gold is the the gold standard in dentistry. Unfortunately, it is incredibly expensive. Um, you have, and I will tell you that older dentists such as myself still strongly recommend gold restorations when possible. They last, I've seen gold restorations in people's mouths up to 60 and 70 years. Similarly with amalgam, which has been really bad mouthed, sadly, there's not good ev- scientific evidence to indicate that it's problematic. It certainly is in a bound form, the mercury and amalgam fillings uh, when they're in someone's mouth. Um, and we safely take them out and we have um, we have units that are attached to our suction systems to collect those materials to safely uh, dispose of them in terms of biohazard waste. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, the scientific evidence indicates that amalgam restorations last three times as long as white fillings, composite fillings, hmm. unless it's a really, really large filling, in which case you need a crown anyway. You also talked about reusable reusable surgical wrap. Now, I don't even know what surgical wrap is. Can you explain that one? So surgical wrap wraps are metal cassettes when we're sterilizing instruments in autoclaves. And um, uh, there's biodegradable surgical wrap available now, and there's reusable surgical wrap available. And um, both of those are better models than using the polypropylene surgical wrap, which is also made of the same material as the the single-use isolation gowns and your blue masks. Right. Okay. Um, Also, you've mentioned um, the carbon footprint of anesthetic 
gases. Her anesthetic gases, um, carb, uh, climate? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, general anesthetics are terrible for the environment. Why? There are Now, obviously, we can't completely exclude use of those gases for medical procedures. Mm-hmm. However, anesthesiologists and hospitals can choose to go to the uh, gases that are less carbon footprint intensive. In dentistry, we use nitrous oxide, and it's terrible for the environment. It hangs around in the stratosphere for over 100 years. Do we still use ozone for cleaning medical instruments? Ozone, um, ozone-destroying chemicals? Well, no, the sterilization with a steam autoclave is the standard of practice okay. in dentistry. I was, I was, I was involved with the, the ozone issue in the ozone layer, and I thought uh, cleaning medical tools was uh, a problem, part of the problem of ozone destruction. Uh, I'm not aware of that. Um, again, I, I, I've never been, uh, I'm not familiar with ozone being used to sterilize dental instruments. Okay, maybe maybe we, I'm we all wrong. Maybe I'm all wrong on that. Maybe I, I dreamt that. I don't know. But anyway, sure. it seems to be the ozone layer is coming back now because of the yeah. elimination of, um, of, of, of um, well, fluorocarbons as well. CBC, CFCs. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I was involved in that. We we did an eat-in at McDonald's, and we we got at McDonald's to stop using uh, uh, CFCs as a blowing agent for their styrofoam, and now they've gone to uh, to, to paper. So yeah, well, anyway. styrofoam needs to be eliminated from the planet. Period. <laughs> exactly. Um, you are part of the Canadian Coalition for Green Care. Is this a fairly new organization, and how extensive is it? Well, I'm actually not part of that coalition. Oh. I'm I am part of uh, uh, an organ another organization uh, that's been called Peach, and don't ask me what it stands for. But it is it's an environmental group of predominantly medical doctors who are looking at greening up predominantly hospitals. But I am their lead advocate in the dental field. Wow, what is your okay? If you're explaining eco friendly dentistry to someone, can you tell our listeners what that sort of means? Well, the eco there is no such thing as eco <laughs> eco friendly dentistry. There is no such thing as eco friendly healthcare. All we can do is do our best to try and mitigate and change our protocols to green them up as much as possible. And again, that goes to moving back to reusables. A lot of what we do is based on single-use plastic use. And sadly, the manufacturers um, sort of duped the healthcare profession into believing that that is a safer paradigm. There's no scientific efficacy to actually indicate that to be the case. And so we need to, and I have been advocating for my university to do actual research, to look at using reusable paradigms and uh, get get some real science behind this. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, unrelated to climate change, but do you think dentistry or uh, dental coverage should be part of OHIP? Well, I, again, I am not a government spokesperson, and um, it's a really complicated issue. I can tell you that the few uh, dental programs we have in Ontario are very badly funded. Um, right now, the, the public programs in dentistry don't even cover the costs of seeing a patient. So dentists are actually um, doing almost volunteer dentistry, if you will because 
it costs so much per patient to see someone now with all of our infection control protocols, our, our regulations in every aspect of what we do. And now with COVID as well, um, that it's not sustainable and dentists, you know, they're basically seeing those patients as a kindness because it costs the money to see those patients. So do I think there should be a national dental program? I think there should be a national dental program that is created with the dental community and that we all sit down as stakeholders at the table and make it a sustainable and, um, and efficacious program. Laurie, I think you need to be in government. We need people like you at Queen's Park. Oh my God, this is its just a delight. Can you give me one last word? We only have a minute left. Tell me about some of your international work uh, as a dentist uh, for Dentists Sans Frontières, no doubt. So I felt for a long time that I'm very grateful that I live in a, a country such as Canada. We live uh, so our standard of living is so much higher than the average person on this globe that it's it's actually sick, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah. And so I have felt for a long time that I wanted to do my little bit to try and help people in uh, countries that don't even have access to dental care or health care. Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing trips. I've done over 20 trips to multiple countries, and I now have my own nonprofit corporation to uh, lead small teams uh, to communities to try and um, educate and provide dental treatment. Well, Dr. Laurie Houston, I am honored and humbled by speaking with you today. Uh, And I really thank you for taking the time to speak uh, on Hunter's Bay Radio here in, uh, in Huntsville and to talk to the people of Muskoka. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Frank. I went to the city when all the trees were gone And I laid there on an asphalt lawn And she cried out a thousand days of hurricanes and floods Her face ran with tears and the streets ran with blood Fur coats and sushi boats and diesel Yeah.